Awesome. If you have your Bibles, flip open to Matthew 25. This Sunday, Pastor Marcus did an incredible job um, teaching on, on some of these parables that we see in Matthew 25, focusing specifically on the parable of the three servants. And tonight what we wanted to do is take a few minutes and kind of continue to uh, look at that and how it applies to our life. Like, how do we take what we learned on Sunday and how do we make it applicable, practical? How do we do this now Thursday morning? We wake up and we say, okay, like, if I'm one of these servants, Jesus tells this parable to his disciples, um, giving them an understanding that he was going to be going away. And while he was away, which is where we find ourselves, Jesus is still away, he hasn't come back yet, um, the people who are serving him, his disciples, would be required to do some things. And in this parable, and I'm not going to rehash the whole thing because I know many of you are, already heard Pastor Marcus do a great job of it. But he divides these, these talents, something very valuable, uh, in accordance to, to their ability. He gives the one five, he gives the second person two, and he gives the third person one. And he, he gives this to him and he says, okay, take care of this uh, and I'll be back. And when he comes back, the first guy took the five, made it ten, he multiplied it, doubled it. The second person took the two and made it four. He doubled it. But the third person just took it and he, and he hit it. He buried it in a ground and he didn't do anything with it. And what Pastor Marcus was, was showing to us was um, as a servant, he was disobeying an, an order, a command, uh, an objective, a, a task, a responsibility. He had completely disregarded that and said, no, I know my master said to invest this and I'd be responsible for this, but I'm just going to bury it so I don't lose it. And in the end, it ended up costing it because the king in the parable says, well, take that and give it to the one who's, who's got plenty. And it says, uh, verse 28 of Matthew 25, then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless, Pastor Marcus said it can also be translated, this good-for-nothing servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And it didn't take a Bible scholar to know that weeping and gnashing of teeth is not a good thing. And so what we're what we're taking from this parable and what we're applying to our lives is that there, uh, there's a very clear example of do this, don't do this. And so in the do this example, we've got the, the two servants who take what they've been given, one a, a larger portion, one a smaller portion, and, and they immediately go out and they do the work of multiplying what they've been given. And then in the, in the negative example of what not to do, we see that that person disregarded what, what the king had told them. He hid the talents instead of using it and multiplying it, and it ended up costing him a lot. And so what we want to analyze in our own lives tonight is what are the talents that the Lord's given us? Talents, um, using that scriptural term, that's like the, the Greek for a large portion of something. It was like a, a measurement of weight. So not talents like skill set or, or uh, ability, but talents as in in the parable, using that, what is it? And then how do we, verse 29, how do we use well what we are given? And how do we make sure that we aren't the people who do nothing with what we've been giving? And so that's really what we kind of want to unpack tonight um, as, a, as a group and, and, uh, and individually and together, corporately. We, 
we believe as we kind of unpack this that one of the beauties of of the way that Jesus tells parables is that in different seasons and in different cultures, Holy Spirit will still give you revelation to unpack it, to know exactly what he's requiring of you. But what we, what we feel is one of the biggest talents that the Lord has, has left us is the Holy Spirit himself. That uh, it's that um, deposit that we see in, what is it, in Ephesians or Corinthians? Both, Okay. That it's the, it's the down payment that, that Jesus pays for, that he gives that to us and says, okay, here's the Holy Spirit to, to as a down payment of what else is coming, of that inheritance that we have. And so one of the biggest talents that we have that we see that the Lord's given us or that in the parable the King has given us is the Holy Spirit. And so it is, um, it's no secret here that we encourage everyone to live a life partnered with the Holy Spirit, a, live a life led by the Holy Spirit, that we would follow and walk in step with the Holy Spirit. That's a huge part of, of what our church is about and what we feel called to in our Christian life. And so, um, and so when I review this passage, this parable, this story, with that as kind of one of, the, one of the fixtures in my mind, that the Holy Spirit is one of the talents that the Lord has given us, um, then I begin to ask myself, okay, and what does it look like to use the Holy Spirit you don't necessarily multiply the Holy Spirit, but what does it also look like to hide it and to not use him at all? And so I think that raises a lot of really great questions about what does our life look like being led by the Holy Spirit to multiply the kingdom of God, and what does it look like when we hide the Holy Spirit or maybe just you know, bring him out on Sunday mornings and you know, dig it up and be like, oh yeah, it's still there, and then bury it again Sunday afternoon. And, um, and so... Uh, I want to prayerfully uh, ask God to highlight in our lives kind of where we're at in this parable. Are we, are we a good-for-nothing servant, or are we a, a servant that, that the king will call in and say, this is well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your, to your master's pleasure? Because um, that's ultimately what we want at the end of our life, is to hear well done, is to hear good job, and not to be uh, cut into pieces and and yelled at because we didn't we didn't do anything we just hid the great treasure that we were given so let's uh, let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit that He'd continue to reveal that and then we've got a few other people that are going to share some great stuff with us all right would you guys open up your hands and and partner with me in this prayer Father we thank you for the incredible treasure that you've given us we thank you that the Holy Spirit is a a down payment of of the of the treasure that you have for us, that it is the access to wisdom and revelation, to knowledge and understanding, to power and to grace, that the Holy Spirit is the key to, to all of those things. And so we ask that uh, as your servants, that if we have taken Holy Spirit and we, if we have hid him under a rock or if we've buried him in the backyard, uh, I pray that you would move in our heart with conviction, um, not condemnation, but with conviction, uh, and repentance to do better and to live differently. We also pray that you would help us to know what it looks like to go after the kingdom of God, to go after souls, not our own kingdom and not a kingdom of man or a kingdom of this world, but instead to um, be led by the Spirit in such a way that it helps us to multiply the kingdom of God for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Tracy, would you come up and, and share with us? All right.
Would you guys give it up for Tracy? <laughs> Please, no. We'll give, we'll give him some applause, right? Amen. Oh, let me open up my, my notes here a little bit too. Um, yeah, I started asking myself, what's that? Oh, are we good? Okay. And so, you know, the question that, that really spurred me is, is that Andrew, I love Andrew because Andrew's, he's, he always, like, he's methodical in his thought process with Holy Spirit, and I just love that. And he asked a question in the back room that kind of took me down a little bit of a, a, little bit of a different path here, um, but it, it aligned with some of the things I wanted to share tonight, so that's good. But he said, he goes, and, and this is my heart, like, I don't want to miss it, like, is there anybody else that just doesn't want to miss it? Like, I just, like, I don't want to, like, fall asleep at the wheel. I don't want to, like, doze off. I don't want to. So I just started thinking. I was like, well, you know, what are some of the ways that we could miss it? Because I don't want to miss it. And um, I had some notes in here, and I was looking at them earlier, too. But um, even in the parable of the talents, and I'll read this really quick. Um, this is not where I wanted to share. I just, it was one of the other places or one of the other things that, that may um, cause us maybe to miss it, right? But in the parable of the talents, when he's talking about, and Jesus is talking to the one that had the one talent, and he did nothing with it, he buried it. He asked him, he says, um, Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. Let me repeat that. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. I just think that fear, and once again, I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole, and this isn't where I wanted to share, but he feared. It's almost like David when he had the ark, right? He feared the Lord. He had some fear and some anxiety in him. And what did he do? He went out and Obeda down, he went out and dropped the ark off at his house, and his house was blessed for a period of time. But it was out of fear that he did that. And so I think we have, sometimes we have fear of man, other times we have fear of um, just all sorts of things maybe that, that, that don't align with what, what God has called us to and the purpose over our life and the love that he's uh, put inside of us. Amen? Where I did want to share the other, the other thing that where I think we could miss it is um, is don't fall asleep. And when I say don't fall asleep, I'm really speaking into like that complacency. Complacency and this comfortable place that sometimes we get into. And I am the first guy to raise my hand here, so don't feel like I'm speaking to any of you or I am the first one to raise my hand in this case. That there's seasons where we get comfortable, complacent, Maybe we don't feel as close to the Lord as maybe we, we thought we should or we could or we're just not pressing in. And um, we kind of fall asleep at the wheel. And I think we can all kind of maybe relate to that. Um, what I want to share is I want to share a dream. It's not even my dream. It's actually Leslie's dream. And um, it spoke to me so clearly, but I'm going to prophesy a little bit some of this message because the Lord spoke to me so clearly about where we've been here about um, the shaking that has taken place, the shaking that is yet to come, and some of the things that the Lord is doing and 
all the things that Mike has been speaking into and the different dreams and the different words from all of us, from all of the body, um, kind of culminate into this moment where I feel like this is the hour. And that's, the, that's what the Lord spoke after um, Leslie sent this to me. Although she had the dream last Thursday night, she sent it to me on Saturday morning. I think it was Saturday morning, Saturday anyway. Just so you know, this came on the heels of a dream I had last Friday night or Saturday morning. I literally woke up and was writing down this dream, and I haven't shared it yet, and I'm not going to share it t- today or tonight. But it was a dream where we were all in this building or a church building, and there were several levels, and the alarm went off, and it said, it's coming, it's coming. And the, and, and the doors, everyone went to the doors, and everyone had assignments to close the doors. Like, and it, they were all airtight. And we were like floating on water. And I looked out those windows. I, I think they were the front uh, reception area windows. And I f- remember just seeing water. And everyone was shutting doors. And Mike was directing traffic, et cetera. And the Lord says, I'm going to take you deeper. And we were getting ready for that. And, and, and this, so this dream that she sends me comes on the heels of that. And I'm, I know it plays into this dream, but I'm not going to go there. All that to say... The dream was this. I had a dream that you were sleeping in one room and I was sleeping in another room. We were resting, but I had the urgency we, we needed to wake up. In the dream, it was 2 p.m. in the afternoon. These are key things. 2 p.m. in the afternoon. We're during the day here, by the way, in the afternoon. And I went next door to wake you up, but I thought no one, no one, no, we can wait a little longer. Then it was 3 p.m. in the afternoon, exactly one hour later. And I thought, it's time now, and I woke you up. And then in the dream, Leslie says, I then woke up from my dream, and it was 3.10 a.m. A couple of key areas of this dream, the one hour between 2 and 3. The other one is, what in the world are we doing sleeping in the middle of the day? And scripture outlines this. The Lord spoke to me. He said, clear as day. He says, this is the hour. This is the hour for the church to awake. Rise up, my church, and take your stand on the wall. Do not be like Peter and the disciples who could not stay awake for just one hour. Matthew 26, 40 says this. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me for just one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The Lord went on to to speak this to me. This is a warning call to my church. Be sober, be vigilant, for the enemy roams and loiters looking for those he may devour. The enemy wants to sow weeds amongst the harvest. I'm going to come back to that scripture in Matthew 13, 24, uh, uh, 13 through 24. Stand firm in your faith and watch the Lord go before you. I've called you in this hour to shine light, be a city on a hill, be a beacon in the dark. Shine forth into the dark places for my light in you cannot be contained. Let it root out evil, blind those with scales upon their eyes and be a blessing of hope to those that are searching. Shine light, shine light, shine light. He said three times, don't be left without oil in your lamps. Get it while you can. Come to the source whose storehouses are limitless. Come to the well that does not run dry. 
Come all of you who feel tired, weary, and faint, and I will give you strength. The vessels that ask, the vessels that seek, the vessels that knock will be filled. Come drink from the fountain, the well that never ends, the spring that gives everlasting life. This is the hour to be like Nehemiah, awaking at 3 a.m. and going out to the dark and into the dark to inspect the walls, to inspect ourselves, our environments, and atmospheres that we dwell in, to identify the blind spots, the weak points, or broken parts of the wall, inspect our homes, inspect our temple, inspect our place of habitation, giving warning to those who must hear and be warned of what lies ahead. And then he said three times, build, build, build. This is the hour Prepare, prepare, prepare. I have felt the, this anticipation rising inside of me. Now, this is me personally speaking. I have been feeling this for about two months, guys, that we are nearing this point. Like, there's just this thing, this gauge of, like, expectation in me that's just been rising for the last two months. Similar to the anticipation and excitement I had before a rugby game, before I went into battle, I would prepare an expectation and anticipation of what was to come, of what was about to take place. I feel like I am walking out of the tunnel onto the field, and it's game time. This is the hour. Put on your armor. Wow. Um, mm. Whoa. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I want to just point out a couple of scriptures here where it aligns, and some of the things that the Lord was speaking there align so perfectly with, with much scripture, and I'm only going to point out a couple of areas. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11, he talks about the day of the Lord. There's a lot of scripture here, but I'm going to read two key verses. We are not of the night or of the darkness, so then let us not sleep as others do. But since we belong to the day, this is that night-day thing, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. God then took me to the parable of the weeds where the enemy, they fell asleep, and the enemy came and sowed weeds amongst the wheat, amongst the harvest, amongst the seeds of wheat. And it goes on that the wheat, rises up in this parable, right, starts to grow, but the weeds grew right alongside of it. Imagine that kind of in your mind what that looks like maybe for us, maybe not paying complete attention and having the weeds grow up around us. The servants, and then I, I'm going to read just a couple of the verses at the end where, where it's speaking here. The, the servant then asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up, meaning the weeds up? No, he answered. Because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat, the harvest, with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it to, into the barn or the storehouse. I find it very interesting here that he says, no, we can't uproot the weeds, the bad things, because there's a lot of gentle people out there. There's a lot of wheat out there. And there's a lot of really new, fresh wheat that's just sprouting from the ground. 
a lot of lost souls, a lot of hurting people, a lot of, this is our time, this is our hour, guys, to rise up. And we can't go out and just yank the weeds, <laughs> as they talk about here, because the wheat will come right out with them. How we steward the wheat, the harvest, God's children in this hour, I think is very, very, um, is crucial, is crucial. The other parable he took me to, and it's talked about in Luke and Matthew. Um, I'm going to read um, the, the Gospel of Luke, the, the version there. And I, I believe it's the ESV. Um, it's the you must be ready, and no one knows the day or the hour is how they're listed in uh, Luke and then Matthew, respectively. I'm going to read in Luke 12, 35 through 48. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants who the master finds awake when he comes. Awake, not asleep, but awake. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants, those that are awake. Second or third watch. Look at second or third watch in the the times of this dream and when they were awakened, by the way. Second and third watch. You must, you also must be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for for us or for all? I'm going to fill this in. To this dream, I believe this is a warning. This is a word for the church, for all. And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager? Whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food in the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, He will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and the female servants and to eat and to drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and in an hour that he does not know and will cut him into pieces. (laughs) So kind of an ESV is an interesting version here. And put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will, knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. But the one who, who did not know and did, what deserve, did, and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much is given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. This was on Mike's heart as well. I wrote this on Saturday, and this has been on Mike's heart, and he shared it in the back room before service. The first thing he says, he said he shut his Bible right at that moment. (laughs) I don't know if anyone caught that. The ones with less knowledge that don't have a knowledge of will have the lesser beating, and the ones that do know (laughs) have a greater revelation of God will actually receive more of a beating 
for the things that they didn't do in obedience. So um, I believe this as well, because we've been on all of these parables, and Mike spoke about the uh, parable of the, who spoke on the 10 version? Uh, yeah, it was Mike, that's what I thought. Um, the parable of the 10 versions, they, the, the five foolish and the five wise. The five foolish that did not go and store up oil for their lamps in the midnight hour when they were awakened and the Lord was coming didn't have oil in their lamp. But the five that were wise, he stored up and prepared accordingly. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Did have it. So um, not sure where to go from here, but I just want to pray. Is that okay? I just feel like I just want to pray into that and just release God is just kind of speaking over us in this in this very moment. So, Lord, we do. We just thank you. God, we love you. God, I thank you that you've put inside each of us, God, a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of faith. Lord, I thank you for the manifestation, God, of what you put in us. So what it looks like, your word says that they will know us by our fruit. Lord, I thank you. God, that we would see love, joy, peace, patient kindness, faithfulness, self-discipline. God, that we would see all of these things that are manifestations, God, of the spirit you placed inside of us. So, God, I thank you for a manifestation tonight. For those that are watching online, God, for those that aren't even watching, God, and, and may never watch, Lord. God, I thank you, God, that you're not giving them a spirit of, of, of complacency, Lord, or a spirit of sleep or a spirit of laziness, Lord. But, God, I thank you. I thank you for that spirit that says, God, I am awake. Wake, awake, O oh sleeper. God, I just declare and proclaim, God, that in this day, in this hour, this is the hour. This is the hour. And, God, in your word, it, <laughs> If a day is like a thousand years, I can't imagine what an hour is. But, God, I just release that over the body of Christ right now in the mighty name of Jesus. That we would not fall asleep at the wheel. That we would not drift. That we would not grow complacent. But, God, we would just seek you and more of you. Because when we seek you, God, we get everything. When we have your presence, Lord, in us, God, we have everything that comes along with it. God, it's a complete package. So, God, I just release that over the body right now, God, that there's, a, there's an awakening, Lord, happening. There's an awakening in hearts. There's an awakening in minds right now, Lord, to be attentive to your word and attentive to your spirit, God, that dwells within us. God, I thank you for the harvest, Lord. I thank you that we would steward well your children. We would steward well the wheat, Lord, that we wouldn't fall asleep and allow the weeds to grow right next to the wheat, Lord. But that, God, we would, that we would step in, Lord, and we would just enter in in such a way that allows us, God, to impart upon your children, Lord. I thank you, God, that this is the finest hour of the church. God, I can't explain it. I just feel this thing inside of me that now is the time. Like, there's, the, there's an hour that has come that it's almost like we've been trained all of our life for just a moment such as this. So, Lord, I do, I just release that in the mighty, loving name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.
Amen, 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 amen. <laughs> yeah, so God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you that we can recognize the times, that we can be like those sons of Issachar that your word talks about and know the times and seasons in Jesus' name, that you warn us, that you guide us, that you lead us, that you speak to us, Lord, that you are readying your bride we just thank you, Lord. Um, as I was speaking to the Lord, just praying earlier today, thinking about what are the things that could stop us from using our talents. Um, we all have so many gifts and talents and dreams and passions. And a lot of the church, we just see that we've buried them, like Tracy was talking about. We've We've not used them. And so I felt like the Lord said two things. So I just want to share that quickly. Um, the first one is fear of man. And it's interesting because the fear of man only operates in our life, I feel like, when we are not filled with the fear of the Lord. When we're not filled with that awe of the Lord and his holiness and his preciousness and how good he is and how worthy he is, we step into that other side where we fear what others will think of us. We fear, um, I think Marcus talked about it on Sunday, but comparison is a big one. And those are, these are just simple things, but why would I not show up? Why would I not arise and shine and let the glory of the Lord shine upon me and through me? But if we compare ourselves to each other, that will actually take us out. Something so simple. We believe a lie. Is it really that simple? Yes. Yes. That will shut us down, and we cannot allow that to happen. And so um, just being aware that the, the fear of man is something that will take us out of our purpose, our calling, our destiny. And so we want to be just filled with the awe of the Lord instead of worrying about what are people going to think of me um, or also thinking that someone else can do it better. Tracy can do it better. Mike can do it better any of us, right, could do it better. So I'm just going to stay back here. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to pray that. I'm not going to show up as God has intended me to. And so I think I, I love the story of Gideon. Um, I've meditated on it so many times, but I think this is our response, actually. And I was asking the Lord, why are you uh, highlighting Gideon's story so much? But I really believe that as Tracy was sharing, that this is the time, and it's a time for reformers to rise up. And Gideon was a reformer. And so we cannot have this response. So if you feel this in your heart, if you feel like, I've thought those thoughts, actually. Um, this is, I felt like there's a grace tonight to repent, to turn away. To say, I'm not going to be that person. I'm not going to let those thoughts rule my life and my voice and how I live. So this is Judges 6, 14. And so the angel of the Lord, Jesus has encountered, he's come to meet Gideon. And he says, uh, verse 14, then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have. He's given him 
his assignment. Guess what? We each have our assignment. We've been given an assignment, a unique, perfectly woven assignment. And so Jesus is giving Gideon his assignment here. And he says to him, go with the strength that you have. I feel like the the Lord is telling all of us, go with the strength that you have. Not the one that Mike has or Tracy has, but with the one that you have been anointed with. Okay, it's time now. And he continues, and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. This is the word of the Lord. I'm sending you, Anne-Marie. I'm sending you, each of us, <laughs> Sharon. Verse 15, but the Lord, but Lord, Gideon says, and so this is what I feel like um, we want to catch ourselves in these lies and having this fear of the Lord because this is what it sounds like in our practical language, our practical thinking. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? Right? How many of us have thought that? How can I do that? Can I really do something incredible for God? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. Have we thought, oh, my family is not that important. I don't have that many talents. I don't have that many resources. How can I rescue Israel, right? I am the least in my entire family. So here's the comparison. Here's the lies. And the Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. So I felt like the Lord was highlighting an orphan spirit and also slave mentality. And so orphan spirit says, I'm not enough. I can't do anything that great for the Lord. And the slave says, and I felt like there was a warning here. The slave mentality really makes us move out of a motivation that we want to be recognized for what we're doing. So it's actually not for the Lord. We might say it's for the Lord, but there is a warning here that in that slave mentality, I want to do something amazing for God. I want to... I want everyone to see me doing something amazing for God. And we don't want to operate in that, that slave mentality. And a lot of us achievers, I'll just, you know, that we get, that is a snare. And so it's important to be aware of that. And so I want to encourage all of us as I was thinking about the Lord and who he chooses, right, to do the big exploits that he's always done I felt like the Lord's like, Anna, I meet you exactly where you are. If you are Saul that turns to Paul, right, I meet you there. If you are the prodigal son, I meet you there. If you are the disciples, I I thought of Heidi Baker, her voice actually came, like her tone of voice. If you've been around her, she says, the rascals. She's like, my son is a rascal. And I thought... Oh, his disciples were a band of rascals, family, church family. They were not amazing. They were a tax collector. They were a person that put his foot in his mouth constantly. And, you know, you can kind of go on and on and on. And, and so I, I think that we are called to prepare. We see that everywhere in Scripture. Even Gideon, he prepares the sacrifice for, for Jesus, Right. Um, but then he, he has, we have to present it. So it's not enough that like we, we um, use our gifts and work on them, but we actually have to also present them. And 
I love to remember 1 Corinthians 1.27 and also Colossians 1.27. So I'll just leave you guys with that. 1 Corinthians 1.27 basically says that God chooses the foolish things to confound the wise. I love that scripture because that's exactly who we see everywhere in scripture from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation and today we're living. God uses the simple and the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And so we, guess what? This is great news. I love this because we don't have to be amazing. He is just willing. He needs us to say yes. He wants us to say yes. He wants to collaborate with us, but he does not need you to be the most amazing whatever it is that you think you need to be to be used of God. And that's good news. Anybody with me? Okay, I'm excited about that. Yeah, <laughs> that's the gospel, and I just love that. And then Colossians 1.27 says, basically, that it's Christ in you, Christ in me, Christ in us, that is the hope of glory. Amen? And so that's so good. I love those two scriptures. So that's a little tip that I use. I'll remember, you know, because it's basically the same numbers, one. 27, 1 Corinthians 1.27, Colossians 1.27. And they're kind of um, opposite. And so I like to think, okay, I, we can be uh, foolish to the world, and God will use that to confound the wise. And also that actually it's not about us, but it's all about us because he chose to pour out his spirit, his power, his voice, his good news through us. So it's, he exchanged that. How good is he? So to remember those two things, and that was really what was on my heart as far as an encouragement for us to choose to break that spirit of the fear of man in our lives, look to Jesus, be in the fear of the Lord, the awe of the Lord, the holiness of the Lord, and really you forget about all the other things, and you're just willing to just say yes. And the second thing um, that... Is, is just the last thing is First um, John 2:15. It's right in the back. You might skip right through it. So First John 2:15 through 17. I felt like this is the other thing that a lot of us, um, I think, especially if you religion says that if you're in the marketplace, that that's separate from the work of the Lord. And a lot of us were brought up in that type of environment. And so we need to renew our mind with what is the Lord saying? So as, as I was asking the Lord, what is it that would keep us from using these talents, these dreams, passions, gifts that we have that the Lord wants to move through? This, this love for the world and the world system is, I feel like, that other thing that he was highlighting. And so that says, do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away 
along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. And so I felt like this is the other thing that could stop us, is that we, we actually get sucked into the world system, the, the things of the world. We fall in love with them, whether it's possessions, success, um, achievements, right? A lot of us have been there, and so we're busy doing those things. And the Word tells us that He is Lord of all, not part of our lives, but all of it. And so um, I felt... felt again, a grace for repentance for us to say, yeah, maybe I have lived like that. Maybe I've thought that way. And there's just a grace. All we have to do is turn back towards Jesus, turn back and renew our mind and say, I'm not going to love the world. I'm going to use my gifts, my talents, my passions, my family, no matter how little it might be like Gideon and how small and you know, unimportant it might look and trust that God is going to do something incredible in this hour for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Mike's going to come up. All right, everybody stand up. (sighs) Okay, you can sit down. I just want to make sure you're awake. You guys are falling asleep. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to talk for two minutes, just a few minutes here, and then I want to break into groups, but I want you guys awake. Tracy, Tracy was talking about it. We've got to wake up. <laughs> and I know the hour is getting late. Uh, so I, I just want to reiterate, I think what was spoken was so good. There's an awakening we need to do. There's a preparing. There's a building. Um, the, what Anna just talked to is so critically important. And uh, um, the, the fear part, we, we fear the things that we don't know. And uh, when we don't have a knowledge, the knowledge of God, it, 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 uh, <laughs> we operate in a place of fear. And when we do operate in that fear, it's, it talks about in Hebrews that we can shrink back from the very things that God has. And, it's, and he says he will not be pleased with us if we shrink back. Revelation uh, takes it even a step further, and uh, I wasn't going to go here, but I'll just quickly just say it. Um, so, in Revelation twenty-one, this is not to bring fear, but what this, t- but he talks about. He says, "He who overcomes will inherit all this." He's talking about the things uh, to come, and and it says, "And I will be his God, and he will be my son." But then it talks about those that. Uh, do not get to inherit. And you know what the very first thing is? You would think he talks about like the, uh, the murderers and the sexually immoral and the ones who practice magic arts and the idolaters and the liars. And it says their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. But you know the very first thing that he mentions? The cowardly. He puts that ahead of everything else. And, and that one just always, <laughs> I still go, God, really? <laughs> like, you're putting the cowardly with the murders and the liars and the adulterers and the, the, those that are sexually immoral and those that are practicing, like, magic arts and, and the cowardly? But it's not my words. It's his words. So uh, I think I, my encouragement in this <laughs> 
is that we actually have the Holy Spirit as a deposit. So this is what I just want to touch on before we break into groups. And uh, Andrew hit on it, and he talked about the two, the two scriptures. So it's in Ephesians, and it's in Corinthians. And uh, it's in a few other places as well. But these two places, these are the ones that Andrew mentioned. And I just want to take you to them. So Ephesians 1, um, what is it? I have, it's uh, 13, I think. Um, so anyway, I'm gonna, it's halfway through 13 there. It says, uh, having, so having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So that's uh, 13 and 14, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. That's a beautiful thing. If we, it, and to understand this, that, that uh, our life on this earth right now, if we're, when we talk about these talents, um, it all is grounded in the Holy Spirit. It's all about the Holy Spirit. This is what he's given us as a deposit. And so in 2 Corinthians uh, 1, the end of it, he says it again. He just says, uh, so the last few verses there, it just says, he set his seal of ownership on us. That's verse 22 of chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians. He set his seal of ownership on us, and he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. There is, so when we have the, the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, we will not be cowards. We will not shrink back. We will, we will not be fearful. Our job is not to try to not be fearful. Our job is actually to just be equipped by the Holy Spirit and walk with the Holy Spirit and align with the Holy Spirit. What we need to do is learn how to walk in step with the Spirit. That's the deposit that we have, and that's now what we're supposed to take and operate. Uh, and so here's the thing, uh, and um, Anna alluded to it. She, she talked about the end of 1 Corinthians 1, um, and it is this, it's this foolishness of the world that, that God actually uses. So if you, if you go down a little bit further, Paul talks, what he, he hits on here is he's like, look, my message, my preaching, it's not with wise and persuasive words. It's actually with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. So what we begin to do is we don't operate in the natural anymore. And I think this is the mindset sometimes that we have is we continually look at things and we operate in the natural. But we actually have the Holy Spirit, which confounds the wisdom of the wise. And, and actually, it's the foolish things that God uses. And so, but it's discerned by the Spirit. And so what we have now is we, have, we don't use our wise and persuasive words. We actually use the demonstration of the Spirit's power. Why? It says, so that your faith might not rest on man's wisdom, but on God's power. When we operate in that, we actually reveal the glory of God. And people begin to put their faith on God and not on man. So, so then, and I'm going to try to do this very quickly because it's complicated. So follow with me as best you can here. Um, Lord, help me to do this in three minutes. <laughs> uh, this is like a, an hour message here in three minutes. You ready? So, so if you go down to uh, verse 10 of, of chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, um, it says, but, so, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. 
So he's, revealed the, he's revealing these things to us. Oh, sorry. So right before that, it says um, in verse 7, it says, No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God has destined for our glory before time began. So now, what is, how does he reveal this to us? It says he reveals it to us by his spirit. So he's revealing these things by his spirit. It says the spirit searches uh, all things, even the deep things of God. So the spirit understands the deep thoughts of the Father and actually reveals them to us. But here's the thing. As you go down, and I'm going to jump down to verse 14. It says, the man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God. But it says, for they are foolishness to him. So this is man's foolishness, God's wisdom. So the things that, that man thinks is foolish, God actually uses. This is, these are the things that he lifts up. So, but it's only discerned by the Spirit. So here's the thing. Those that don't have the Spirit do not have the discernment to actually understand the thoughts of God and the things of God. So I was just telling Andrew, talking to Andrew this uh, uh, during worship. I just, the Lord was showing me this, that sometimes we just go, well, I can just read this, and, and now I know. I know Jesus is the Savior. Um, I can just explain this. Well, guess what? It actually doesn't work like that. It's actually a discernment that comes by the Spirit. So you cannot just take the Word by itself and go, I understand this. I'm going to reveal this to others. It's not revealed just by words. It's actually revealed by the Spirit. So this is really important to understand because sometimes I think what we do is we take this and we still operate in the ways of the world. We still operate in minds, in man's mindset, and we think we can, we can figure it out and we can actually accomplish things. We can do nothing outside of the Spirit. Nothing. So we, there is no life outside of the Spirit. This, this is Romans 8. The mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. But the mind that's controlled by, and I just wrote this and, and sent it out earlier today, the, so you can read it. You can get a little more into this. But, uh, but the mind that's controlled uh, by the, the flesh or by the, the nature, by, by our nature, it actually leads to death. When we just read the Word, it actually says the letter of the law, this, is, this, will, this is, brings death. But it's, it's the Spirit that actually brings life with the Word. The Word is critically important. This is, this is living, breathing His Word, but it actually is living, breathing through the Spirit. Otherwise, it can actually bring death. And that's what happened with the Sadducees, with the Pharisees. They had the Word. They knew it better than anybody. They did not have the Spirit. <laughs> and they were those, I mean, Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. Uh, he, he, he was... Not very kind to the ones that had, it's that knowledge puffs up, right? But we actually have, we need spiritual wisdom and understanding. And so when we're talking about these talents, I just, I want to bring it back around kind of full circle here. And we can do nothing outside of the Spirit. So when, when this deposit has come on the inside of us, it's the Holy Spirit that now engages us in the Word with this understanding. And now we have this secret wisdom that comes forth. Now what do we do with it? So it doesn't end. Here's the problem with the church is, it, is, is we go, I'm just going to go through these Bible studies. I got the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to learn this stuff, and I'm good. And it's me and Jesus. 
And uh, the whole point of this is that when we have this, that we actually now take it and reveal it to the world by the Spirit. And so jumping now forward to 1 Corinthians 4, it says, so then, men and and women as well, um, but (laughs) for all of you, you ought to regard us as servants of Christ and to those entrusted with the secret things of God. So if you're entrusted with the secret things of God, it's by the Spirit that you now have an understanding of the secret things of God, right? So now you've been entrusted with the secret things of God. It says now it is required that those who have been given this trust, a trust, must prove faithful. So to wrap it, to come around back to now the, uh, the talents, what does the master say to the one who, who takes the talents and multiplies them? He says, you're my good and my faithful servants. So what we have is we're entrusted with the things of the Lord through the Holy Spirit who teaches us all things, who reveals all things, who is our teacher, and then we take this and we operate in the very power of the Holy Spirit and we reveal it, we reveal it to the world. We hold out the word of life by the Spirit and we reveal what is foolishness to man, and, but it's revealed by the Spirit to us so that we can reveal it to the world. That's how we operate. And that's how we actually use our talent, <laughs> use the talents that have been given to us to actually multiply and give to others. And you will be called the wise, the good, the faithful ones. And, and I love, I know uh, Marcus shared it at the end, but I'm just going to share it again because it's just so cool. Just the words that God says, and this is the thing. This is why we don't have to be fearful. It's not like, oh, I don't want to be in fear. I don't want to be the cowardly one that does not make it, <laughs> that gets thrown in with the adulterers and the liars and the murders. Like, we don't have to operate in that mentality. We have to, you got to realize, we have the Holy Spirit. This is amazing. Now just begin to live this out. Begin to operate in this. And be bold knowing who's on the inside of you, that this isn't about your strength. It's not about your power. It's not about your might. It's by the Spirit, right? You guys, like, this should be so, like, like okay, I, this is amazing. You're going to have, you have this deposit here you go. Here's your talents, whatever. And, and the talents, you know, in, in, uh, it's either in Corinthians or, or Romans. It talks about uh, Romans 12 or Corinthians 12 um, where it says uh, that we're given the gifts by grace. So it's, it's not even like the giftings that we have, the things that we have. It's just by his grace that we're given them. And we're given in part. Like, you're given some gifts, you're given some gifts, and the whole point is now we come together as the body of Christ, and we operate as the body of Christ, and use the very things that we've been given for the kingdom. And he will say, at the end, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. Like, there is joy. It says that he is well-pleased when we actually operate in that place. When we begin to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit, walk by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, have a mind controlled by the Spirit, this is what he's actually asking for. So, it's, it's actually, 
It's simple. Maybe it's not that easy because our flesh gets in the way. Uh, And this is where grace comes in. So stand up again. And this is for real this time. (laughs) So let's, uh, I'm going to just pray. And then I just want to, if you can just get into groups. and, um, And I feel like, just ask the Lord, I think, in this, in this season, what, how do we want to do this, Lord? Um, let me just pray, and then we'll just do it. So, Father, I just pray right now that, that you would reveal yourself to us in a greater way. Lord, that we would learn how to walk in step with you. That we would learn how to actually, uh, as we read the word and as we get this knowledge and this understanding, Lord, that we wouldn't just bury these treasures. We wouldn't bury these things. But, Lord, we would actually take these things and use them for your glory and for your kingdom. So, Father, I pray that this would be a time, actually, in this time as we gather together, Lord, would you show us how to do this? Would you give us strategy in this? Would you give us understanding in this? Would you give us a greater spiritual wisdom and revelation in how to actually operate in the giftings that you've given us, in the things that, in the, in the wisdom that you've given us, that we can actually share this with others, that we can use our talents and use them wisely? In Jesus' name. Amen.